This hoe is so ugly she can scare a hungry bulldog off the back of a meat truck. 48 minutes of dog barking. 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 Growl. Growl. 48 minutes of dog barking. 48 minutes. So, Jason, happy birthday. Oh, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, uh, he brings over a 12-pack of beer. That was very, very good. 16-pack. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) I wanted to polish it off tonight. No, no, but... uh... I walk. I saw you walking through the backyard. I said, "This motherfucker came to party." <laughs> yeah, I'm fucking uh, quit my job. Oh, really? Told, no, I didn't. Oh, no, I told my boss to suck these nuts. <laughs> I did. If you want to believe it or not, did quit a job. I quit Whole Foods. I was like, I fucking yes, yes, yes. I remember this. Do you remember this story? Vaguely, but I, would love I to hear was it like, again. I was, I was so pissed off at this job. I was pissed right. off by how it was being scheduled, and there was some other personal stuff going on and i just had like this friday close where i'm like i'm getting fucked this sucks i don't think i'm coming back tomorrow i want to say 15 minutes before close i went out and i bought a case of sam adams october fest <laughs> and yeah, i remember right. my boss watching me and i remember like he's like at the pizza <laughs> station and he's watching me in line i'm just staring him down i tortured that man yeah i after i quit would come back and just like I liked the people I worked with. Sure, I just hated my fucking boss. Right, so I would come. Which back is the way up. it goes. Honestly, I would come back up and like, like hang out with people. Right, and well, like while they're on shift. Yeah, 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 while they're on shift, like I don't have to work here anymore. I have to deal with this bullshit. I don't have to. Have right. a, I don't have to have a work in a manage, work with a management team where a guy sits at his desk and plays slap bass, like <laughs> on unplugged bass, which is like sad. <laughs> And I remember one time I was like talking to some guys at the pizza station and he mm. was interviewing someone in the middle of the and he was facing me <laughs> and in the middle of the interview. He he asked the person to switch, switch seats, seats with him. So he did so to look, look at, at you. Me. Yeah. And I was like, it's fucking rules. <laughs> yeah. You get to torture him for I, like, free. I had like, I had like, no consequences. I had, to, I had to sign a piece of paperwork to get my last paycheck that said that i could never work for whole foods again and i was like oh this is a yeah. challenge <laughs> yeah easy peasy, the baby. slap bass guy was the one that made me do it and i'm like <laughs> I, this is like a stupid ass job and still a stupid ass job um, i exercised my rights and my autonomy as a worker because that boss yes. blocked me from transferring out of his department because everyone else hated him and was transferring out <laughs> and i'm like i was like okay well i don't want to Work in a kitchen under this guy who, when he fries tortilla chips, doesn't know to roll up the roll up the sleeves on his chef's coat. Mm. And this is the guy I'm supposed to be going to, like <laughs> for advice. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, while I was working at that job, they did one of those uh, anonymous management review things. Oh. And I believe. I mean, people were going and buying beers on their lunch break and yeah. like housing them in their yeah. car. Like, do people were cracking knuckles? Yeah. People were like writing out their answers beforehand because that's how much they dislike this guy. Yeah. And last I heard, he has his own store, which just showed you failing upwards Fuck. is possible. Let's let's get this back on the fucking rails. Please. So 
So it's your birthday. It was. Well, talk shit about a couple a days job. ago. Yeah, yeah. That I used to have was, a million years ago. A couple days ago, yeah. 48 minutes of complaining about jobs I had over a decade ago. <sighs> oh, man. That that would be its own sub show, I think. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. Because we both have so many, so, much, so many stories about that. Yeah, Tell the story about why you had to transfer branches at the bank. <sighs> Yeah, exactly. That I don't know that story because I'm afraid to ask it. I just know that I got like, assaulted. Oh, what? Yeah, I got assaulted. A customer thought I shortchanged him. He comes yeah. in a couple days later, and he, uh, I say, "Hey, how can I help you?" I don't recognize the guy because I had previously done his transaction through the drive up, so I wouldn't know what he looks like. But he knew you. He knew. Oh, he knew me. Yes, sir. Well, because I had a name tag on, oh. and my name was on the receipt from what he believed was him, me shortchanging This him. was Jason Malkowitz, Van yeah. Fleet. Yeah, Malkowitz exactly. Van Fleet, I'm, <laughs> I'm the other Jason. Yeah, the other one. He comes in, he's he's acting all nice, and I said, he wants to do a transaction, and I said, okay, I just need to see some ID. He goes, you want to be my friend? I said, sure. He puts his hand out, and I, you know, friendship. Using that hand, he pulls me over the counter and proceeds to slug me a bunch of times. <laughs> Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm flailing around, screaming. You know, I'm a, I'm a I'm an indoor kid. I don't yeah. you know I don't get into fights. So this was this was new to me. Got you know, I kind of wrenched myself free of his grasp and then hit my head on the floor. Uh, so you know, I got my bell rung a little bit and uh, I had to do a whole police report. It was a whole. They closed the branch until you know until the cops came and and that was when they transferred me. <laughs> was was like you know what this guy. Uh, you know, he's a vet. He was off his meds. They're probably not going to hold him for very long. So let's just get you out of this particular branch and maybe do another one. Uh, so they moved, me to, they moved me to University City. Credit unions have a reputation for being the poor people bank. I would um, disagree, but but that's I the reputation. That. That's the reputation. And that is, by and large, the good number of our clientele were people who were Previously unbankable, people who other banks would not open accounts for, or people who other banks would not make loans to, or whatever. And we had, you know, a number of products that were designed to kind of give you that leg up, get you started. Sure. You know, there's all that kind of stuff, you know, credit repair, I, all that. But yeah, credit <laughs> unions are a viable thing. Yeah, they're no, they're great. They're a great resource. They're all union. I love them very much. For some reason, <laughs> the one that I worked at in U City was probably. I mean, it was a nice facility, but the people who came there... Now, I've worked a couple of years of my life in, on the Del Mar Loop. Yeah, this was actually off the loop. This was closer to the Olive side, so it was actually sure. on Olive. It was on Olive, uh, close to the old theater. That then became a Chinese restaurant. Yeah, that Okay, one. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that... That's such a weird part of town because it's like it's kind of fucking weird and sketchy, yeah. but it's yeah. also like not. Well, so all the people who came in to bank with us there, they were the weird ones. Uh, and unfortunately, I got, I got them all. Uh, <laughs> I got I got the uh, I got the, the the woman who continually every time she came up to my window, insisted that I had shortchanged her. All that fun stuff. But we'll talk about that at a future day because I got We got to We got to get the show started. <laughs> Welcome to 48 Minutes of Dogs Barking. Uh, my name is Jason. This is Brian. Yeah, but uh, what we got today, Jason? Let's, today, let's, let's yeah. get kinetic. Let's, oh, let's uh, ascertain the situation. <laughs> I'm going to do a visual pat down of the... Uh, <laughs> the visual ascertain the podcast and made a kinetic movement. <laughs> I kinetically uh, clicked the mouse. So... <laughs> 
Tier one operator. Over here. <laughs> yeah, this is what I used to do in Kabul. Tier one. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I did in Kabul. Yeah, I was uh, I was head podcaster in Kabul. <laughs> I was in the the sixty third po- ship posting regiment. Yeah, <laughs> I was uh, I was the first plane out of Afghanistan. <laughs> Get me the fuck out of me here. Me and all of the all of the financiers. And- yep. <clears throat> Get us out of here, please. So. This I, I swear this has to be satire, but I saw this I'm I saw sorry, this last I'm so, week. I'm sorry. I'm just imagining like the <laughs> Taliban like finding the podcast studio <laughs> and like, just just being, laying like, siege. What if what if uh, and this being like uh what if Jeff Goldblum was on Family Feud? <laughs> 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 <Come down bits. laughs> but see the thing is they don't they don't have to fight it themselves. They have a they have a, it's like a proxy war, so it's like one Taliban podcast versus one American podcast. <laughs> Yeah, our numbers were, were number 236 in Ireland. What do you well, think about that? It's like they have Dasha on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the Taliban, right? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 anyway, saw this last week, and uh, we were so... The, the last episode was so stuffed with stuff, I, I figured it could wait. This one, uh, we talked about Good Omens before. Good Omens, of course, the novel. Mm-hmm. Written by Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman. Turned into a television series. Amazon Prime has it. Season 2 just came out. And this post shows up. Started by Christian Good Omen fans. Now, Good Omens, of course, is a, a series about that, that uh, details the relationship between an angel and a demon as they become best friends and also boyfriend and boyfriend. Oh. We are a group of concerned Christians who are angered, all caps, by the decision to turn the two protagonists of Good Omens gay. After a bona fide heterosexual first season, we were blindsided into watching a show that lied. We are not homophobic. We just believe in truth. And those terths, they misspelled truth, so that's great. Those terths are Angel and Crowley are supposed to be friends and brothers, not lovers and bum chums. Angel and Crowley were not gay in the book. By the way, it's Azraphel and Crowley. They could not remember the one character's name, so they keep saying Angel. Angel... Anyway, <laughs> angels can't be gay, for they are holy missionaries of God. David Tennant is too hot to be gay. <laughs> I would feel that that would be evidence for for gayness. I was going to say, here are our demands. A formal complaint from Neil Gaiman. They, sp- they misspell both Neil and Gaiman, uh, and they spell Neil Gaiman to have a Y in it. So... Fifty percent of me thinks this is satire because it can't. This, this, this is a. This has to be a riff. A, a formal complaint from Neil Gaiman, Terry Pratchett, well, who's dead, uh, yeah. <laughs> David Tennant, and Martin Sheen, refilm and release a non-gay version of Good Omens season two. Remove all the gay scenes from Good Omens two. Hashtag release the straight Good Omens two cut. Unwieldy for a hashtag. <laughs> Give Angel and Crowley girlfriends in Good Omens three. Include scenes of Angel and Crowley renouncing their gayness in Good Omens 3 and becoming straight again. Hashtag make Angel Crowley straight again. Make a promise to not feature gay scenes between Angel and Crowley in Good Omens 3. That includes, this is my favorite part, that includes no hand-holding, no kissing, no flirting, no cross-dressing. Crowley, stop. No characters calling them a cute couple. No hand jobs, no blow jobs, no innuendo, no anal sex graphic sex scenes etc no 69ing this goes on in front of the page but this is where i stopped <laughs> I couldn't handle it more it has to be satire it has to be i keep repeating this to myself it has to be satire david tennant 
too cute to be gay. All right. <laughs> I think community notes would have a uh, have a field day with that. Speaking of community notes, exactly right. Community notes has been showing other people their asses mm-hmm. in the past couple of months. I love this one. It's a photo there. It says, these are the lungs of a 10-year-old that grew up in a home with a gas oven. They're not supposed to look like that. The community notes post, that is a picture of a walnut. <laughs> 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 There's a couple more examples here. There's um, breaking my Twitter silence to let y'all know my femme-presenting ass was denied service at a bar in Manhattan because I was visibly gay. I'm safe. I'm fine. But if it's happening to me in New York fucking city, it's happening everywhere. Your queer friends need your solidarity. Readers added context. This person is in a heterosexual marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Which led to, of course, the tweet being deleted. And uh, that person deleting their account altogether. You gotta love it. Fuck around and find out. Well, there it is. And this is one of the last ones. Vision for the Blind posting, You buying this is the same person? He's posting the video side-by-sides. One video is the woman on the plane screaming about how the guy's not real. Y'all need to get him off of here. And then the second video is that same woman on TikTok saying, hey, you know, this was me. I was off my meds. It wasn't great. You know, but but she's doing the whole public apology for something she didn't need to apologize for. She's having a mental health crisis. Y'all buying this is the same person? Readers added context. This user has digitally manipulated the second image to enlarge the woman's breasts <laughs> for some reason. It had to make her it had to make her slim thick. <laughs> and the reptiloids just... won't let you see the truth. That's right. <laughs> is that the pogs are out there? Agent Fox Mulder is just like, you ever hear of the pog alien scully? <laughs> <laughs> They're dummy thick. <laughs> He's dummy they thick, got, Scully. They, Rent a car. We're going to Minneapolis. You know, just, yeah, <laughs> they, they've, uh, they've got a gorilla grip. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What else we got, Chief? We have uh, the sex scenes are bad discourse continues, Brian. Fuck! It keeps fucking happening. I thought the Zoomers were supposed to be like the, the liberated ones. Sadly, no. Uh, so there's this woman on TikTok who, uh, who, who uh, posted this video. <laughs> She was asked a question. Any advice for my husband and I wanting to watch Oppenheimer but being fully afraid of the Florence Pugh scene everyone is talking about? First of all, if you are afraid of what are quite possibly some of the most magnificent rack I've seen in a while, you got problems. Ever since, (laughs) perhaps since Alison Pill. You have problems if you are afraid of this woman's breasts. Yeah, I've. I've, (laughs) I'm sorry. There's no other way to say it. There's no other way to say it. Yeah, uh, I mean. People are like, was that necessary? And like, maybe in some respect it wasn't necessary, but we're all talking about it. I think in a way it expresses the mark that that person had on Oppenheimer. And I think that if you're going to present the person as a person, sexuality has to be by definition sure. a part of it. You're going to give me this warts and all thing. Well, th- that's part of it is that he was a bit of a hound dog. He know? was a bit of a, he was, listen, he was here for it. Yeah. With or without the sex scenes are new. Not a second of her is wasted in that movie. No, because as we know from seeing her in fucking everything else we've seen her in, she kills it. It's fantastic. We talked previously about don't worry, darling. Did you hear that? She ended up like kind of like directing some of it because the, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. Because the, <laughs> whoever was directing it apparently was going, I forget her name. Was Olivia Wilde. Olivia Wilde was going a wall. Yeah. That, that was a bit of a chaotic thing, but I mean, her performance in it is is stellar. It's it's yeah. the anchor to the movie. So I mean, like she's got the goods. 
but yes, yeah, so this way, <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid of the Florence Pugh scene everyone's talking about. And so this woman on TikTok is saying, you know, I research everything, but especially this movie, since obviously I'd heard about it. We wanted to see it. It has an amazing rating. We prepared ourselves. What did you watch? Midsummer and Don't yeah. Worry Darling? Is that, I mean, what do you, I thought it was just several minutes straight of sex scenes, but it wasn't. It actually was broken up into several, which is, is true. The sequence yeah. of the film is kind of interspersed. So the long and short of it is that this woman didn't want her night to be ruined by this. And so her husband, uh, you know, like covered his eyes whenever one of these scenes happened, which is yeah. the biggest bullshit line I've ever heard. But uh, so digging into this, though, I found out she has, has a, a series of posts about she has betrayal trauma. In an earlier video, she talks about how her husband, she caught him watching porn. And to her, that was a betrayal. So she, she says she has betrayal trauma for that. Which is misusing therapeutic language, and I will not stand for it. Yeah. But it's because of this whole thing about like, oh, you know, the, the porn is this is the same the, husband? Yes, this is the same husband, the same, the same wife, the same, uh, same account. Husband watches porn, it makes me upset. Well, we're going to go see this movie, and I'm going to be very sure that there's, you know, nothing approaching pornographic in it. And if there is, he's going to close his eyes. Very strange, very controlling behavior. I think it's doubly weird because it's just one of those things where I'm like, fucking leave him. <laughs> if you're so bothered by it. Yeah. If it's such a problem for you, A, this should have been announced from the get-go. We should we should have established that ground rule a long time ago. It even made it to the Daily Mail. Woman 29. Ooh. Yeah, woman 29 reveals she made her husband shield his eyes during every nude scene in Oppenheimer after he left her suffering from betrayal trauma by secretly watching porn. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. It's it, There are very real people who have very real problems, but Oppenheimer is not one of them, I don't think. I think yeah, they're, they're, I it's something deeper. Like I think of, of the history of sex scenes and you know, whatever you want to describe as being explicit. I've seen in film. I think what going on Oppenheimer is pretty tame and I don't it doesn't really play for titillation necessarily it's really it's really yeah, you are learning something too. about the characters yeah. I, you know I, I know that sounds like I read Playboy for the article but <laughs> but it's but the, true yeah some sometimes a sex scene can be less about as you said titillation less about you know sexploitation or less about you know getting your yayas out than it is about like this is actually something that informs the character. This is yeah. something that kind of tells you something about them. Like um, Terminator was my first example that came to mind. Yeah. Without the sex scene in the Terminator, you could argue that that sex scene could be excised and the movie's fine. Mm -hmm. But it also, the way that Cameron frames it and the way that everyone's kind of in it, Michael Bain especially, tells you something about their characters even though it's kind of salacious. It's... It's a Roger Corman trick. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's, he's doing the Roger Corman trick of like, here's a sex scene in the middle of your chase scene movie. <laughs> but uh, but even that, I can say like, well, it's justified. I'm I'm fine with it. It's, yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think. Yeah, I think you're you're generally on the money there. People that are weirdly repressed in ways that I thought we weren't s supposed to anymore. I think part of it, and this is just a theory, but I think part of it is that a lot of these people because of financial problems or because of whatever problems they have are living with their parents. And I think because they're living with their parents, the, the watching of sex scenes when your mom's around is coming back, but they're not couching it that way. They're saying sex scenes are not good and shouldn't be in movies. 
because my and then the unspoken part is because my parents are watching these movies with me and they might see something that makes yeah. us all uncomfortable. Well, that's a you problem. <laughs> that's not my, you know. Maybe don't watch those movies with your parents. Yeah, there's, there's content. I mean, there's, there's content warnings of- everywhere. I mean, the, the MPAA tells you there's brief nudity in this movie. And then, maybe do a little research. Is yeah. it is it because someone like moons someone, or is it because someone gets something put in their butt? Is it right? No, I mean IMDb. The users there are very uh, descriptive. Or you can go to dogdie dot com or whatever. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That gives you all of like the good content. Hell, warnings. even Letterbox sometimes will let you know. You know that that kind of thing. So like if you're too if you're too hip to go to IMDb or whatever, yeah, you, you, know, you can you can kind of get the vibe from reading Letterbox reviews. Granted, half of them are some variation on "This happened to my friend Eric" because that's like the the go to joke on that site. But <laughs> there are there are some useful useful reviews. The last thing I have for you, Brian, is a little bit of TikTok drama. Oh, the TikTok drama. So there is a video going around of a Asian woman cutting down a fence. And of course now it's unavailable because the people involved are just they're crazy. They're all crazy. But <laughs> a a TikToker named Tif- Tiffany Mraj, I'm I have no fucking clue how to say it. Tiffany M R A J. Is that like Jason Mars but with a J? I don't know. I, I don't know. Posted a video of one of her neighbors cutting her fence with an electric saw. In the video, she yells back and forth with this woman, uh, trying to get her to stop. She even goes to her property, and then the fence lady pushes her. There's a whole back and forth. Nobody really understood what was the what was the point of all this. Well, now the neighbor lady opened up her own TikTok account and was like, "Here's the deal." She explained it in no uncertain terms. Look, this fence is on my property. I'm trying to get this AC unit removed, and they won't let me in. And so she took matters in her own hands and, and got the fucking uh, saws all out. <laughs> it's like, but there was just so much shit, like people yelling at her to like speak English or like people saying that, that the, the, the white woman's entitled. And like, it's this whole brouhaha grow, building up on just this one site because I've never seen any of this stuff on Twitter or X or whatever the fuck you're calling it these days. Sure. That's one of those things where it's like, boy, this is really self-contained. This is just in this one little ecosystem. I found it fascinating because, you know, there's videos on both sides. The fence lady is like, hey, thank everybody for your support. The neighbors still aren't complying with this order. They did a survey and the fence isn't even supposed to be there. So she was kind of right. It's just I recommend anyone who wants to get into this. Uh, knowyourmeme.com does have a, a whole article about this. It's who is the fence lady. It's one of those things where it started as like, oh, this is a crazy lady. And then you go, well, kind of has a point. Yeah. Well, what the fuck? You, you love neighbors. You love crazy neighbors. But then you then when you realize, well, maybe if you've got a point, then it comes a whole nother thing. Because people were throwing racist shit at this lady. and I don't know. The internet was a mistake, I think, mm, kind mm-hmm, of thing. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I think neighbors. I think neighbors should just find that one thing to hold a grudge about until <laughs> someone moves away. And then that new person moves in like, oh, Man, the person who lived here before was yeah, such you, a cunt. You can just catch about the 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 old neighbor, and then you you have a bond because everybody knows an asshole, or you know, everyone's had an asshole neighbor. Yeah. So yeah, okay, that makes that. I'm I'm with that. That does sound like a. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, I do that. <laughs> yeah. The, the people who moved in next door to us. Every time I see them, they're say they'll say something like, "Yeah, well, you should have seen what this guy did to the place." It's cathartic when you're complaining oh, to yeah. the new neighbors about the old neighbors, I guess, is what I'm saying. Um, sure. Absolutely. All right. Well, speaking of complaining, it's Crypto Scam of the Week time. 
You're listening to 48 Minutes of Dogs Barking, the podcast. And now it's time for the Crypto Scam of the Week. What we got? Oh, baby. Another press release from the SEC. Ah, I'm starting to really enjoy these. <laughs> As of a couple days ago, the Securities and Exchange Commission charged a former New Jersey State Correctional Officer by the name of John DeSalvo with fraudulently raising funds through the unregistered offering of the Blazar token, a crypto asset security he created and then collapsed in May of 2022. The SEC also charged DeSalvo with misappropriating investor funds, much of which he sent to his personal crypto asset wallets and used to pay for a bathroom renovation. <laughs> you know what? Um, I think this dude slaps. <laughs> I think uh, I think this is kind of funny scamming cops and like and then like I got a new bathroom. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not big dreaming. It's but enough. What a dream. It's enough. What a dream. Half a mil. I mean, I'm uh, sorry, six hundred and twenty thousand dollars from two hundred and twenty investors. It says. Gosh. Uh, yeah, he he claims, and this is the funniest. Listen, part. and they're mad. They're like, you know how much overtime we didn't work. We had the clock. The the right? race, right? So we get this money, and then you fleece it from us, right? So, so here's my favorite part, though. As to the compliant charges, DeSalvo claimed that the Blazar token would replace the existing state pension system, and told investors token was registered with the SEC that he had arranged for the token to be purchased by automatic payroll deduction, and that investors were guaranteed to receive extraordinary returns. Oh, the old classics. The classics never die, don't they? You're going to get big returns, great returns. We're going to forex this shit. We're going to the moon. We're going to the moon, <laughs> where there are no uh, extradition laws, and you don't have to report when you, you discharge your firearm on the moon. <laughs> Gosh. Imagine qualified immunity gosh, on the imagine, moon. Imagine <laughs> qualified immunity on the moon. And no, no one in, in space, no one can hear you shoot their dog. <laughs> well, you got to take the dog up there too, so <laughs> that's a whole thing. Oh God! Yeah. They, got, they bring a whole kennel up there. <laughs> they're up there. They built kind of a moon base, and they're just getting regular deliveries of canines. <laughs> dogs. Yeah. Street dogs off of yeah. Shanghai. Send them up. It's fine. So apparently this was not his first dalliance with a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> you don't say. No, no. 2021, he had solicited investors primarily through social media to participate in an investment venture where he would invest their funds into mm -hmm. stocks, options, and crypto asset securities. The complaint alleges that within weeks of depositing the $95,000 he raised from 17 investors... I'm not doing the math right now, but that's a lot of money per that's investor. Pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Those aren't rookie numbers. No. He lost about 17 grand of those funds in speculative investments, misappropriated the remaining 78,000, and told investors that the group securities had lost all value due to poor market conditions. So, yes, this was not his first rodeo. He just decided, you know what? I'm a corrections officer. These guys are walking around with a little too much coin in their pocket. He's it's a, about dude, time to get me be, some. Uh, being a CO is a fucking oh no, yeah, bottom feeder job in so many ways. Yeah, I've got a friend who was a former CO. And he's like, never again. I think it's great everything yeah. this guy did. Like I don't, you know, <laughs> fleece was, them, fleece them all. It's if fine. he was like, you know, fleecing teachers, or, yeah, very different uh, story. Ambulance yeah. drivers, yeah, or, someone who provides a value to society. Yes, but. <laughs> 
it's um it's like when uh the theranos like when you yeah. find out she like fleeced like yeah. you know uh elizabeth holmes fucking a, a folk hero <laughs> you know some some of the most despisable human beings of our time and it's like yeah that's actually kind of cool yeah i mean they also kind of walked into that one if they weren't going to do their due diligence yeah. i mean jesus she wears a turtleneck and, and talks like this. Well, that you couldn't how, see that from a mile. Ever, how much have you ever lost on investment? <laughs> <laughs> Let me get your blood. Yeah, just, Let I me get it. your blood. I don't know, man. <laughs> What's that? Stay very still. Yeah. <laughs> I need it for my machine. Yeah. She's just, she did. She did the answer on sugar voice. That's right. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> the best part about this is, of course, the kicker. Too often in crypto, says David Hirsch, chief of crypto assets and cyber unit of the SEC's Division of Enforcement, we see promoters perpetrate familiar frauds in shiny new wrappers by making claims that are difficult for investors to independently verify. Registering the offer and sale of securities enables critical oversight and improves disclosures to investors, and we will continue to pursue those who fail to abide by those requirements. These guys are very... The SEC does not take any shit. Like, they're real... You know, hard knows about this stuff, but like that statement is just like you're kind of missing the point here, bud. Like, yes, of course, you know he's 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 going to be culpable or whatever, and you're going to he tricked these people using his status as a corrections officer to give him their life savings. And your response is, well, we're going to make sure that the, any securities are <laughs> fucking nerds. Get out of here! I, I don't <laughs> think I have seen any crypto project that was you know quote unquote legitimate or trying to be legitimate mm-hmm. and and I, and I mean like in a, in a sincerest way that i've seen crypto people try to do right. everything right and that's part of coinbase's argument with their <laughs> oh, shit yeah. with the sec is like yeah. well let can you tell us what we're supposed to be doing which is a bad defense but the crypto laws in this country are kind of so vague yeah and weird yeah that yeah, fuck crypto, but the people <laughs> that are in it don't have good guidelines to even try and give a facsimile of being legitimate or being within the law. Even right, if they because it's to. such a it's this is the wild west. You don't know who's on oh, a yeah. level because it's everybody tries to pretend and they're all gonna trot out the same numbers and they're gonna yeah. you know give you websites so and it's gonna look legit because they know how to do it. Oh yeah, you get, <clears throat> and it's fucking, fucking easy. It's get, easy to, to pretend to be legit in this space. That's I think what really makes this segment so evergreen because there's always going to be somebody who is minimally tech savvy enough yeah. to to make a white paper or to do this or do that. I fucking remember ICOs, initial <laughs> coin offerings. Oh yeah, classic stuff. Fucking DentaCoin and GreenMed, <laughs> like. No, that all of that stuff fucking just immediately went to zero. There was smoke. There was nothing there. There was yeah. shit. Mark Cuban had gaming token that no, oh. that's been all but erased from the internet <laughs> called Unicron or Unicorn. I remember Unicorn. That yeah. shit disappeared. You'll never hear about it again. Yeah. Scams are as old as time, and this one's no different. I mean, it is, this, yeah. this is the Nigerian prince scam with a, a with a few extra steps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is easy to do. People can do it, and clearly they do it often. And oh yeah. I just, I just love the idea of a CO scamming other cops. To me, that's just like, boy, you're eating your own. Ah, mm, feels mm. good. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. 
God. That doesn't and say anything about our society. his bathroom. That's my favorite That's part. That's why I, I love, dude, we, we love a simple king. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, look, dude, hey, if I'm I was... sure he did some other stuff, but like the fact that that's what they picked out the was like, and he renovated his bathroom like. Yeah, because it's probably the thing that costs the most. Uh, speaking from experience, yeah. that's probably the thing. I can only imagine what someone with a, you know, half a mil is going to do. Oh, they're going to put the fucking, they're going to have. They're going to have the, the doom bathroom from something awful. <laughs> I was thinking they're just gonna have the heated floors, but yeah, they might as well. You remember that, right? I do. God, that was so gaudy. That really feels like a Grover House 2.0 type of deal, but it was just that bathroom. Because I think they may have done something else to like a kitchen, but that thread was so fucking. Somebody made a Doom Wad with that bathroom <laughs> in it. It's fucking fantastic. This week, our focus returns to. We talk about movies a lot on the show and the Breathmen, right? Yeah. But this particular site was one of my favorites from 98 onwards. It's a uh, site called badmovies.org. It still exists in all its uh, early web glory. Is this glory. Uh, frames or no frames? This is no frames. I'm making an old website joke. This is, uh, this is no frame, and it definitely looks it. But <laughs> the site did last for a long while. So badmovies.org calls itself a website to the detriment of good film, which I don't think is actually true, but... It is a database, almost, of uniquely terrible movies, some better than others, and they do have a ranking system. So that one of the big features of the site is reviews. If you're mm-hmm. looking for a bad movie to watch, you go over to B-Movie Reviews, which is this big header up at the top there, and you get an alphabetical list. You'll notice that a lot of these movies, too, some of these titles might sound familiar, if you're a Mystery Science Theater 3000 fan... I was about to say, yeah. Yep. <laughs> These movies... Devilfish. Devilfish, yeah. Uh, Touch Blood, of Satan. Blood Waters of Dr. Z, and so forth and so on. Battle for the Stars. There's a lot of familiar names. But where MST3K was uh, content with just mocking the movie, which is <laughs> a pastime in its own right, what I liked about badmovies.org was that they gave you a ton of information. I mean, this is like almost a separate IMDb strictly for bad movies. Babes in Toyland, we're going for this example. They give you the rating, who made it, when it was released, here's who reviewed it, who are the actors in it, a detailed plot. Then, two of my favorite things. These are things I think every movie review should have but don't. Things I learned from this movie. <laughs> so, for... Babes in Toyland. If an electric pole is knocked down, it only takes out the phones. Mean people live in bowling balls. (laughs) If you can't pay the rent in cash, the bank will take children. Uh, Not being able to blink is a serious problem when you have only one eye. People from Cincinnati are immune to poison gas. (laughs) (laughs) So that's fun on its own. But then underneath that, stuff to watch for. Someone sat through this movie with a notepad and wrote down... Not only stray observations, but sometimes things that are highlighted like here in red. 52 minutes in, random act of violence against a teddy bear. <laughs> the red ones are random acts of violence. And then in, a, in other reviews, you'll see green ones. And it would say, random gratuitous breast shot. <laughs> Excellent. So the, the sex scenes in movies, so this people... Is, this is Mr. Skin yes. for, for bad movies. <laughs> kind of, yeah. And then they would have a, a quote from the film and then even include waveform sound files of lines from the movie that they just recorded straight off of whatever source they had. Now, how the hell did this happen? Well, 
One guy, really, by the name of Andrew Borntrager, decided that, you know what? I love low-budget stuff. I love silly action movies. I love weird shit. I don't know how to find it all. Because this, 98, this was kind of when Blockbuster was kind of going down. Local Mm -hmm. video stores were kind of getting... Yeah, yeah. Speaking as a former (laughs) Blockbuster employee, Blockbuster actually didn't start eating shit until about the early aughts. Blockbuster sort of peaked around the time that there was the the commercial with the hamsters. Uh, The drunk mailman from Cheers voiced (laughs) one of the, the hamsters... You can just say Robert Wendt. You don't have to say the drunk man from Cheers. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm a little bit younger than you. I have to go by how I remember things from when I was a kid. I'm sorry. I was just like, wait. Oh, okay. I know. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I got the frame of reference. I just was like, you should know that guy's name. But that was kind of like the peak of Blockbuster, and then it slowly... Right. Because, yeah, 98 was when... The end of VHS, I guess, really. 98 was the beginning of the end for VHS, and then you start seeing DVDs start coming really into prominence around... 99, 2000, because that was when The Matrix was out. Maybe this is a little ahistorical of me, but I kind of associate the DVD having a real foothold in this country with the release of the PlayStation 2, because that was the affordable DVD player for most people. That is exactly where my first DVD player mm-hmm. was, was, was a PS2. I had to look this up. DVD was re- originally came out in 97. Yep. So, yeah, 98 wouldn't be that far yeah. off. Uh, and again, those players that were out in 97, 98 were not cheap. <laughs> this was not no. something you could get your hands on. It didn't replace VHS, but eventually it did. You know, yeah. it, t- it took a while, but it got there. I mean, the fact that DVDs were, I mean, the same thing with, CDs over cassette tapes mm-hmm. and yeah, uh, oh yeah, widespread A-tracks. adoption took a while, yeah, yeah, but infinitely much easier to produce because I think a DVD, you know, the pr- the printed DVD, there's such a higher profit margin than yeah. VHS tape. There's a lot, obviously, less parts. Oh, you know, for sure. You have you have a, a acrylic sandwich with a data field in the middle that can be read by a laser yep. as opposed to three or four moving parts and, <laughs> and analog screws and magnetic tape and this yeah. and that you know and you, you got to make sure it's going to hit the heads right and all that yeah i mean there's there's a lot of moving parts too even going far back as like beta or eight tracks like there's a lot of moving parts and so it was a lot more expensive to produce it's the reason why cds blew up and they everybody yeah. you know because it was it was cheaper to produce, and it would for the consumer. It was a lot easier to use. Yeah, As you remember tapes where they, they were kind of a messy, uh, messy they medium. Kind of sucked. Yeah, I mean, there's there's something, you know, great about watching, you know, a, 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 a amazing B movie like American Ninja Two on VHS. I think the last movie I watched on VHS was Surf Ninjas Must Must Die. Oh. Any of the trauma films is on fantastic. VHS is a, is it's a, a must-have. Yeah, uh, Newcomb High. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> the other one that I remember as a trauma one, especially, was uh, uh, Kabuki Cop. Yeah, <laughs> the fucking weirdest shit. Whatever they can throw. I remember at the ball, being a kid. My brother explaining to my dad a Tromaville movie like. You know, it was like Toxic Avenger. And I was like, even like being like eight or nine, being like, that can't be a real movie. Right. It just sounds too fucking weird. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm and, looking... be, and then also being like, wait, that's what the cartoon is based off of? Oh, and God. Like, yeah. I'd forgotten about that. There was a cartoon. 
It's like Jimi Hendrix. It's like the Jimi Hendrix of bad movies. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, because at the time it was mind blowing, and now you're just like, okay, it's a guy playing a guitar. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. People, boomers hate why, why, why. Well, you know, you know, Carlos, Carlos Santana mm. says some anti-trans shit. Uh, come on. Really? Yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. Like. Fucking, what is with these old rock stars just fucking... And Paul Stanley says some shit, and so D. Snyder? Maybe there is some things we should consider about puberty blockers and and how we approach transitioning for, for children and <laughs> preteens. Well, but you know what? I don't know if it really, like, affects me. Right. It doesn't sound like any of these kids are really getting hurt. I think it's just yeah. like, we really should just be super mindful. I don't know if we should be, like, uh chastising people or having bigot opinions about it just seems stupid like and who gives a shit that right. target had like tuck friendly swimwear who gives so does that that, does that did, did, your, did it make your gas go up did, like <laughs> how did that affect your bills yeah exactly how, how's your tax return looking this year well these fucking no tuck swimsuits really fucked me over mm-hmm. god damn it I, I knew i should have claimed a hardship on the no tuck swimsuits but this is a problem working with older people is they just say things and you're just like, so? Yeah, but the problem is, like, it's, if it's one thing if it's your grandpa. It's another thing if it's fucking Paul Stanley. Like, goddamn son of a bitch, I liked you. You can't do that to your grandpa, but you can say that to Paul Stanley. Detroit, give the, the, hold on. Detroit Tuck City. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. What fascinates me about badmovies.org is that a good chunk of the work on this site, and we're talking hundreds of movies, these reviews were by one guy it that's it's beautiful it's a labor of love this guy was doing this website up until 2013 all right doing the math there that's a solid 15 years yeah and boy oh boy i'm glad he's still paying for the hosting because you can still you can go badmovies.org you can go to this website right now and if you're looking for a shitty movie to throw on and it's on a streaming service you can find it you can watch it and you can have yourself a good old time yeah. And to me, that's a service that's like, it's the library of Alexandria of shitty movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> even There's even some non-shitty movies on here. Like, uh, he wrote a thing about Star Crash. That was a, a 1979 kind of forgettable picture. But I like Star Crash. It wasn't a bad movie by the way that you would think, like a Mac and Me or like a, you know, like an Atlantic Rim or something. But it still kind of fits the bill because it's cheap, a knockoff of something else. But I mean, you got to figure this guy really sat and watched these oh, movies. Tons not, of respect for that. Not just any surface level stuff, too. You know, he's writing out a paragraph of character descriptions. Look at this plot synopsis. It's three pages. This is what Facebook stole <laughs> from us, folks. Well, this is what a lot of websites stole from us. I mean, Jesus Christ! Things I learned from this movie here. <laughs> In the future, nobody can count. <laughs> <laughs> Men with perms are immune to deadly lasers, and the most powerful weapon in the galaxy is a lava lamp. Much like MST3K itself, he timestamps and then writes jokes. Yeah. And if you're watching along with him, 46 minutes. How does knowing that Thor was a traitor provide concrete proof that he can see into the future? Hello? Guys, go on YouTube every day and post videos that are less informative and less entertaining than this text-based website. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you. 
boy, I, I have had something come up on YouTube that's like about uh, Ari Aster movie or oh, yeah. about Akira. And Ugh. it's like 20 minutes and you're like, wow, this didn't really cover much of anything. This didn't tell me anything either. Or, or stuff that's about Stanley Kubrick or whatever. Now, to be fair, there are also people out there that can do a 20 minute video about Stanley Kubrick or the production of Akira and absolutely fucking not waste a second. No, I mean, there, I can name I can. I'm, I got one hand that I, I mean, yeah. I'm thinking folding ideas. I'm thinking Super Eye Patch Wolf and maybe uh, the Big Joel. Those are the three yeah. that I can immediately think of. And there's some stuff for like the fucking film school kids that's yeah. really good out there. But there are also people that think that they're that level. And you're yeah. like, Jeez, I mean, like I watched like one time a 25 minute YouTube about the British trip hop band Sneaker Pimps. Oh, wow. And there's a lot of ground to cover there, I'm sure. There was some new stuff. And then there was also some stuff where like you didn't do your research, like <laughs> some stuff that I, I didn't know. And I like to think I'm someone that knows not everything, but quite a bit about the band Sneaker Pimps. But there was like certain elements and certain facts that he was like, I don't think that's right. Dude published a video, I want to say, like, three months before, like, Sneaker Pimps record came out during the early days of the pandemic. Oh, boy. So it was like, wow, like, you just kind of, you really fucked, like, you <laughs> didn't know, but you kind of fucked this up because you would have had a whole, like, if you just yeah, if you sat, waited your, sat and, on your hands for a minute. Yep. Held on to that. Did some more research. Got your facts straight. Maybe you would have had, you know, maybe you would have had a hit video. Because, yeah, I mean, if you really want to get into it. You know, there's stuff like that that happens all the time, especially in film. Film a, YouTube is a fucking nightmare. There's a, a guy who, fuck, I can't, wish I remember his name off the top of my head, but he takes all the Metal Gear Solid games and gives them historical context. And he went through Fantastic. and added historical context to Metal Gear Solid 5, which is kind of a fucking obtuse game when you're just, what the fuck is, I still don't know what it's really about. No. But you've played it. Language? I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's about yeah. language, but it's about like identity. It's about imperialism. You've played the game, right? Yes, yes. So yes. you go to Africa, and there's like the PMCs, and the like. There's like two main warring factions. And it's set in the '80s, right? If I remember right. correctly, yeah. And he was able to take it to a historical context about like an insurrection and like a national force or imperial force that were having a conflict in Africa at that time. And there was mm. like, oh, well, here's some similarities. This is probably what inspired Kojima. And the other people that worked on the writing. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's neat. That's something I never would have gotten yeah. otherwise. Boy, it would have been cool if Kojima would have maybe made... <laughs> Some of that explicit in the game, yeah, maybe? I mean, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. subtext is great, but that game is a lot of wasted potential. The gameplay is absolutely fantastic. Oh, moment to moment. It's, yeah. You, but yeah. what... It doesn't say anything like... There's no weight to any of it, I think, is the problem. There's yeah, no, there's it, a lot of really great ideas and... I mean, you're in Afghanistan in the 80s, and there's Soviet soldiers. Yeah. Give me something else there. Like, they, you, you give me, I don't know, the Mujahideen. Like, give me some, the, you know. The like, Mujahideen all left. Right. And it's like, so, no, that doesn't. Mm. It's not interesting. <laughs> no, like, I understand. If it was not... something more like the first part of Metal Gear Solid 4, it would have been super interesting. Right. Because I understand that, like, in the political climate where Metal Gear Solid 5 was released, that maybe expressing even the tiniest amount of sympathy for the Mujahideen might have been, might have been you know, a problem. Well, if you watch Bitter Lake, the yep. Am Curse documentary. Which I have. It really, the, the, the conclusion I think that maybe you're supposed to get from it, because some people say it's, it's uh, dehumanizing towards the folks in Afghanistan, which I don't think... That's I didn't the walk point. Away with that. I didn't walk yeah, away with that either. Yeah. I think really the point was like, you know, maybe we should just let the Soviets 
modernized Afghanistan. Yeah, it was not our place to be there to begin with. I mean, yeah, that's, that's and like really it's not even saying that the Soviets is. were necessarily the good guys either. But like, you know, maybe we should just let them have that little. It's the same thing with Iraq. It's like it's not our business. Why are we here? Yeah, that, that, that's I think the 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 point was that that. Uh, Kappenbaum was fucking called him Drew Curtis. The point that Adam Curtis was making. Adam Curtis's <laughs> fart.com. <laughs> In the mid-1990s, there was a man with a website. Yeah. There was a man. <laughs> and you, there, was a, there was a foe on the internet that would shock people. And it would make you say, what is that man doing to his anus? There was a rumor spreading on the internet that Bart Simpson was going to lose his virginity in the Simpsons movie. But something far more devious happened. <laughs> and then it's like... Uh, a fucking you know uh, X-ray spec song goes into a yeah yeah uh, that burial song yeah you know. <laughs> I'm going oh cool another another fucking Drew Curtis documentary <laughs> another like fucking oh cool in McDonald's again off on you know another track off Untrue thanks bro yeah I love it I love all of this I'm fucking feed. I'm enjoying this quite a bit did yeah. you watch the last one I did not it's long yeah that's it goes a bunch of different directions and I think it says some really poignant stuff. It could have gotten there with about half the runtime. <laughs> I felt that way about hypernormalization. I felt like that one dragged a bit. Yeah, I still think it's packs quite a punch. I think the only people doing Adam Curtis level stuff has got to be the guys at Blowback. Oh yeah, and big uh, ups uh, to Blowback. Uh, I know. New, new season of I Blowback. Know. I saw the trailer. Tomorrow. Jesus Christ! Yeah, the, 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 and they got John Benjamin back, which is great. I love having, yeah, having um, that. I think the first season of Blowback about Iraq is phenomenal. Oh yeah. I think uh, season two about the Cuban Missile Crisis, I think, is really important. I think the thing I miss from season two and three and the third season is about the Korean War, which I think also has a lot of really important information and a lot of great context, is that there's not a sense of humor. Yeah, it does kind of feel like there was a bit of a nosedive. And I think part of what made the first season of Blowback really fun it was it was a lot of really great information, but there was also something cathartic and like the absurdity of of what was going on there because it was all fucking insane. Well, you farce. had especially the way that blowback presented it, where you had John Benjamin as Saddam Hussein. That was fucking... day? <laughs> fix, go up on the roof and fix Daddy's satellite. Yeah, so, so yeah, so hopefully they can kind of get a little bit of that back. But I understand they're going they're going to into Afghanistan and 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 the nine eleven and there's going to be some some real God, fun it's, stuff. It's fucked. But anyway, do you think you think we're ready for the actual breath mint proper? I... No, because we have not done shocked out. Oh no! And now the moment you've all been waiting for shock.jpg. Yeah. Oh no. Oh yeah, it's time, baby. The ginger thought it was time for the part of the podcast that was fun, <laughs> but no, he was wrong. First, he would have to see a video of a guy pressing a kumquat into his urethra. <laughs> Thankfully, none of that, but this is a, uh, a website referred to as Plan B. Now, we, we previously mentioned Last Measure from the GNAA, that's, of course, the Gay N-Words Association of America, <laughs> This one, I think they like being called Native Americans. Thank you, and, <laughs> Lambach. And uh, <laughs> the, the URL for this one cracks me up because it is Black Lives Matter in .cf. Well, you'll just have to see for yourself. Oh, you, you do have to accept the cookies for this, which it cracks me the fuck up. But, uh, <laughs> We're compliant. Yeah. <laughs> it is what is uh, known as a screamer. It is uh, uh, a guy jacking off bunch of guys with cum on their face a 
series of and like a little of course, bit of go, little good ass in there. Uh, yeah, and and of course the wow <laughs> blasting audio saying the n word and a guy screaming about how he's going to come and a tiled background of a bunch of uh, gay African American porn. Just a, a wonderful collection of stuff but yes do not go to that url by the way <laughs> please please don't unless you're in a hospital or library <laughs> setting and you need to be amid over the right weekend away. yeah you, if you need to get uh, checked in to club meds if you need well, that 72 hour hold just to get away from your wife <laughs> plan b courtesy of the gnaa oh boy they're back at it again boy the you can't keep can't keep the boys down you really can't and man that was that was explicit <laughs> Yeah, in a very old school way. You would tell your friend to go to in the yes. computer lab. Yes. Oh no, it's a really cool site. You can hear like all these Nine Inch Nails, like uh, <laughs> you know, alternative takes or something. Right. The screaming audio and it's dropping the n bomb every two seconds, and uh, it's this guy screaming about how he's going to come, and just all while a guy who looks like he should be dead is jacking off in front of you in a bouncing window that is like going to. <laughs> They've hijacked your browser. Kids follow the bouncing ball. (laughs) They're masters at the craft, I gotta say. There's there's no one else who doesn't like the GNNA. There there used to be a website that was like the letter X like 69 times. That was like a similar thing. Like you would just click on it. You would go to this website and it would be like photos of like people dead from Iraq. Like dead bodies. But But like someone would take like Enjoy Coca Cola in the corner. Oh, like this really real like, adbuster shit. But like very abrasive, shocking yeah. war crime shit. But like the classics of like Ronald McDonald being crucified or being oh, lynched yeah. and like you know enjoy Coca Cola. <laughs> it was very much like it felt like uh, it felt like someone was like cut up. Yeah, and just was good enough at HTML and to like just, Photoshop 2.0. Right. I mean, this feels real, real web web Even though you know you have to accept the cookies to get in there. <laughs> it's it's beautiful what uh, GDPR has done to us all. Yeah, we've <laughs> we've had to accept cookies and then get blasted with the N word every two seconds. It's uh, or like or as I like to call it. Living in a city. Speaking of living in a city, it's time for the Breath Mint, Brian. It's time for your mom's favorite part of the show. It's time for the Breath Mint. To catch you up, I I saw Bo is Afraid. Yeah? What'd you think? (laughs) I adore that fucking movie. I had so much fun. Uh, My wife, of course, did not. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I don't think the women folk are into it. Well, she laughed really hard, so that's that's a big one. It's it's fucking funny, dude. God damn! That first third of the movie, just like the the part where he's like coming back to his apartment and the guy (laughs) with the the tattoos just sees him, like it's like this hunter vision and Bo running. (laughs) I I've said this before, but like Ari Aster is probably one of my favorite living directors. Just. I don't know what he's doing, but he's doing it right. Because, I mean, three bangers in a row. Hereditary Midsummer and Bo's Afraid. Just, I, Bo, and we were talking off Mike just a minute ago. Like, every fucking centimeter of that frame is filled with shit. Just pictures of scenes that haven't happened yet. Or, like, yeah. <laughs> like he's got the goods and, and he knows exactly how to turn the screw on this guy. 
Okay, so you know that I kind of have an anxiety problem. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, I mean, I also have. Right. I am literally diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. So right. yes. So <laughs> so this movie <laughs> made me feel like, oh yeah, this is what an anxiety attack feels like. This is what it feels like oh. when you are catastrophizing and every possible bad thing that could possibly fucking happen to you is happening right now, and no one wants to believe you. <laughs> no, because it's too unreal. So the part with Nathan Lane, the um, their dead sons. Mm. combat mate that's mm-hmm. living in the trailer you know who that is oh who is that that is the farmer from the gang of inglorious bastard oh no shit is okay. that so fucking weird that is great that's like I if you that. got morgan freeman the puke in tom green's throat <laughs> it's just such a weird no uh, i'm nah, tom here to feed the baby bird <laughs> feed me baby man feed me <laughs> Mm, tastes so good. Yeah, mm, <laughs> just like that. I'm gonna give it back to you, Daddy Bird. <laughs> <laughs> mm, Daddy Bird likes this. Yeah, almost um, as much as fucking uh, my kinfolk. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, run, don't walk to see. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like we're really we're skimming the surface. There's, there's, uh, I mean, God, because you don't want to give too much away. Because honestly, the the more raw you can see it, I think the better off you're going to be. There's just so much, and it reveals itself to you as you go on, and it really does reward a second watch, which I did. <laughs> I did have to watch it a second time. I think I'm, I'm saving it for the winter time. Mm. I was very tempted to watch it a second time because you had watched it, so I would be refreshed. But right. I just had to sit there and contemplate it like some you know stoic monk, and <laughs> I, I yeah. do think it's a, like a, a really yeah. amazing piece of art about mm. being alienated and having an incredibly difficult relationship with your mom and I don't know, people think like it's oh it's so cynical and abrasive I go yeah but I, know, some, I think some surface, of the, I think the maybe, people that but... don't like that movie are the ones that have had probably kind of easy in life I'm not saying everyone but there's been some people no. where it's like, like oh shit's been kind of you had it on easy mode yeah well it's also kind of like it's a movie that's definitely not for everyone you know what it's i mean it's not like for it's... people that have a charmed life you know <laughs> well not even that like even some people who you know may see it and see a reflection of themselves and don't like what they see oh you know what i mean well, like, i mean they, they, i i see a reflection of myself in that movie quite a bit and right. i find comfort in that like oh the gigantic I, nuts <laughs> no but i mean yeah i understand the, what you mean the, the, there's a a, a scene Mid midway through the movie where there's a play mm, and what yeah. goes on during the play is very cathartic i think that anyone that has feeling like they've had to waste part of their life to appease a parent yeah. or some other authority figure um and he has an epiphany yeah and is is taken away from him ever is just as quick as he finds it as he finds yeah. this inspiration. He literally feels himself pulled into the play, and then he replaces the main actor. Yeah. So that you see Bo, the character, walking through this this scene that he's not actually in. He's just sitting in the audience, but he's he's transported by art. That's kind of neat visual representation of what it's like to have a movie feel very real to you, or like to have a play feel very real to you. That's what I liked about that sequence. Uh, that and the 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 way it ends. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking weird. I, there's three acts, and some yes. people say it's almost like three different movies. The first one is kind of like your most insane boomer coworkers' envisionment of what like living in a city must be like. The first third, yes, definitely. Because um, I'm the only person at like, my job that technically lives in St. Louis City, and some people I work with who like 
they're so country that like where they're from, like their parents think Arnold is too close. Right. And Arnold <laughs> is, think a like, suburb is, is a close. fucking, th- is a solid 30, 40 minute drive away from where we are at right, right now. Right. And they're like, no, that's the city. To them, that's the city. Yeah. Del Mar Loop is most certainly the city when uh, yeah. it's your fucking. <laughs> it's a very hard to describe mentality, but there's this paranoia. I yeah. guess that's the easiest way to that put this it. This world is out to abuse you and fuck you, and and you get to see it play you. out for the first uh, half hour, forty five minutes. Of it's, this movie. it's at least sixty minutes. Yeah. Of, oh yeah, that's of right. Bo that... being tortured. Right. It's a three hour movie. Each act, I want to say, is about an hour. It's a it's give or take because there's the suburbia part too, so you have to kind of factor that in. And then yeah, you know, there's you go from the city to the suburbs to the woods. And then from the woods to this really rich area. To back home. Yeah, back he home. He has gone from the forest to home, like almost like a weird... It's a fucked up pilgrimage. It's a hero's journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A little twisted. It's not exact. There's some common reference points. I mean, you could point to any number of stories that are... It's really funny that a lot of the story beats are punctuated by him getting hit in the head. Yeah. <laughs> That's a running bit. <laughs> He'll dive through a window and like it'll change scenes. Like, well, okay, or he'll get hit by a car. It'll change scenes. Or he'll get hit by a tree. It'll change scenes. Yeah, I gotta yeah, give it phenomenal. up. I gotta, I gotta give it up in Act Three for for Parker Posey, <laughs> just showing up and just giving an insane performance, just doing it, and then quietly exiting the film, as it were. <laughs> Superb. I can't say enough good stuff about it. Oh, it's it's funny. It's darkly funny, I think, is the thing that I want people to come away from. I want people to understand that this movie is actually really fucking funny. It's goddamn hilarious. If you watch this movie and you're not busting a gut by the time this big reveal happens in the third act, you've, you've lost all touch. I, with, I feel yeah. like that big reveal actually kind of missed me. Really? Yeah, I'm like... Oh man, it was I, literally I the thought in my head when that reveal happened was like I really liked this movie up until this point. Oh uh, yeah, and then after we were eating dinner, and we were talking to the waitress at, uh, where we were eating, and we we're like, oh yeah, we're supposed to pray. And she's like, oh, how is that? I'm like, well, it's really, really amazing until this part happens. And I kind of <laughs> actually, what's funny is that we spoiled it in a previous episode. So there's a giant penis monster. There's a giant <laughs> penis monster. And I, as I said to the waitress, and here's the sad part, you don't know if I'm joking or not. Right. And yeah. She's just like, oh, wow. I'm yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It is true. <laughs> I had to watch the movie to make sure Brian was not fucking with me. Oh, people thought I was fucking with him. Like, yeah. Oh, it's really amazing until this part happens and it kind of falls apart, in my opinion. But I disagree. I think that's the moment where some of the ambiguity becomes very much more uh, funny. Because now it's just like, oh, th- the dad was a big dick. <laughs> and then he literalizes it. Like to me, like the whole movie is filtered through Bo's lens, so you, you kind of have to see it that way. I think. Anyway, All cannot right. recommend it enough. Uh, Bo is afraid. Bo is afraid. <laughs> Baby, forty uh, out forty eight minutes of dogs barking. We were, yeah, I think that's gonna good. that's gonna make my that's gonna make one of my movie of the oh, year. Oh, for sure. List, I, for uh, sure. I, I'm looking forward to watching it again. Yeah, you said you already got it on uh, home video. So I, I bought I bought it on Blu-ray because I, I felt. Like this is never going to be on streaming. Everyone's got no. This, no, I mean, this is maybe this is, Prime it, will have it for like a week, but no. It's, uh, I think it's A twenty four's biggest bomb. Yeah, which is fine because they're they're doing everything right. Especially, I don't know if you know this, but they're actually one of the few studios that agreed to SAG after his demands and are are just going ahead with all their oh yeah all their work because they've they're like yeah sure okay you want you want you want to be paid more sure okay let's do it. 
Uh, no, no weird AI shit. Yeah, sure. Okay, let's just make yeah. movies like they're supposed. Yeah, to me, that's like okay. They can stand to lose uh, money on something that's a little weird, and that's yeah. you know because I feel like they have the back of the artist, kind of like when United Artists was a thing when, when yeah. that was a studio, and they and they started putting out the weirdest shit, like the Tank Girl movie. You know, like <laughs> you're just yeah. You want to make something? Sure, sure. Let's do it. Just breaking news here, folks. Uh oh, the Trump. Fucking mugshot just dropped. So, oh shit! Uh, Hold yeah, check on. This out, man. Yeah. Check this yeah, out. Yeah. Check this out. <laughs> <laughs> you motherfucker! You showed you showed me Goatsy. It's just like, <laughs> folks. God damn folks, it! It feels good. To, it feels good to be alive. Mm. Oh, right there. Right there is why we do really. It, 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 the Trump. The Trump. I know. But... Is there. It looks like it looks like the guy you can't let back into like. The family video because he got caught jerking <laughs> off in his pants. Nice Don't let the again. cum guy back in. It has a um, Richard D. James <laughs> album cover, Apex Twin album cover look on it. Perfect phone calls, volume one and two. <laughs> <laughs> I would, you know what? If somebody did that for like a prank call collection where they prank called people as Donald Trump and called it. Perfect phone calls, volume one, and two. I would probably check that out. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. Something I've been putting off. Yeah. I keep forgetting to mention on the breath mint. Yeah, is that I watched the Venture Brothers movie. Oh, okay. Radiant I... is the blood of the baboon heart. Now I have not caught up on Venture Brothers since at How? least like season two. I, look. How, <sighs> dude? It gets really bad, and then it gets really good. I think. The it's gets really bad is when I stop watching. <laughs> there is a point where I probably would have kicked Jackson Public so hard in the knee that he had to go to the hospital. <laughs> it was like, can you stop putting like the bad X dash entertainment style fucking yeah. 80s cartoon and pop culture references? The last two or three seasons are actually pretty fucking solid. But, you know, this is the last piece of Venture Brothers media we'll probably ever get. And I think. It is a full course meal. Yeah. And it's everything you want, but yet I still am hungry. Patrick Warburton's still in the in the yeah. damn thing, right? Yeah, because he's he's one of the key the key ones, the yeah. Brock Samson character. If you've never seen it. So it is a really heavy parody of Johnny Quest. It kind of keeps that thread throughout the entirety of it in one way or another. They started to kind of move away from it, I would say, after the second or third season mm-hmm. and kind of realized like well all these weird characters we created to make fun of Johnny Quest they're interesting characters so roll with it yeah yeah so why don't we do Billy Quiz Boy and you know <laughs> yeah Billy Quiz Boy what's up, what's up with what's up with the weird tiny guy with the metal hand and his albino <laughs> friend and you know um yeah and, and the David Bowie stand-in that that yeah. the, whoever did the impression was very good. Hello, I'm David Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's some really fantastic stuff. Like I said, there's a, a season or two where it's they kind of get high on their own supply, and it's a bit of, it doesn't really go anywhere. But then I think they kind of realize like you know we need to stop doing this. But the problem with the show is that it was traditional animation, and it cost a shit ton of money. Right. And these guys really took their time when it came to delivering um, storyboards and scripts. Right. So. With Warner Discovery cutting themselves off of the knee, they canceled Venture Brothers, and then like, oh no, we're going, we're going to actually finish it. We're going to do like a little like ninety minute movie. Mm-hmm. It's fine. There's oh no, it's fine. Not it's a good... it's fine in the sense that there's going to be no more after this. They make sure certain characters come back, and there's certain references, and they they're not just there to be like 
hi, and then bye. Like they mm-hmm. help move the story along, and there's certain things that pay off that have been a part of the story or questions in the, in the main plot for you know it's sometimes a better part of a decade. Yeah, um, it's, it's a long running show. It has seven or so seasons, right? It's or? been going on for over twenty years. Yeah. Um, like it debuted when I was still in fucking high school. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Um, so it's been a while. Like I remember watching it in high school. Um, yeah. so lesser shows have had shorter runs and had less quality. We'll put it that way because they're, sure. they're, 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 they're qual- from my oh, understanding yeah. is the the quality to episode ratio is very high. Some incredibly funny stories, some great characters, when I talk about the two or so seasons that aren't that great, there's still some really amazing stuff. It's just like, man, it's just not the same sparkle, but the last two or so seasons before they got canceled really like brought things back around. It was a lot of fun. Um, you could, there's a whole entire episode where there is a supervillain that's Andy Warhol and his, <laughs> his factory, his okay. hanger ons and all okay. that. And it's just like a bunch of deep cut, like yeah. art jokes. And, yeah. So there's a lot of cleverness, and it's a shame that it ended when it ended. And I think the final movie is about as good as a cap you could put on it. But like, mm. there's still stuff that's never going to be completely answered. Sure, it's just like, oh, I want more, and not in like a way that's that's satisfying. That it's like, oh, there's there's still there's certain characters that were prominent in the last couple seasons that get like a visual cameo here, mm. and you're like, but this was a great storyline. And so it's bittersweet. You can't really, you can't really call it proper closure, I guess, but I mean, it's, it's enough to satisfy some people, not everyone. Here's my argument. Mm. Let's say if they were going to do two final movies and they were like each 90 minutes a piece and maybe like, you know, they're six months, six months apart. Yeah. I think that would have been fantastic. I think it felt like they had to cut out a lot of things to to meet their requirements, meet their budget. I don't know. If you love Venture Brothers, it's it's like having your grandma's like, I don't know, fucking spaghetti sauce for the last time. Sure. Yeah, you, you know? you're going to get what you want out of it. Yeah. But yeah, so I give it like a positive review. Okay. Uh, what, what you got? Okay. Like I said in the last episode, I'm still kind of on the hunt for the next big game. I finished High on Life, which is something you said, uh, boy, you were braver than I am, which I will say, yeah, because it does kind of get real weird by the end, but the the voice cast is great. Boy, by the time they bring in Tim Robinson, who is one of my favorite uh, modern funny people, sure. as one of the Gatlians, that, that, that's where I think it really picks up. It's fine. It's good. It hits all the high notes, and uh, boy, it's still got that, that Justin Roiland stink all over it, though, so I can't really recommend it. It's a serviceable first-person, goopy alien shooter kind of thing, so if you like that type of deal, well, by all means, go for it. Everything seems to be in service of the jokes, which is both one of its strengths and one of its weaknesses. Yes, because the jokes are mostly, hey, come. It comes funny, right? And then we're going to do that for a couple minutes. Hey, uh... Well, we killed the kid. <laughs> <laughs> I chose not to. Right? I yeah. tried. You can ask my girlfriend. I probably spent a good 15 minutes trying to kill the kid. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. I want to kill the kid. <laughs> you can. Uh, I just jumped over him and, and just moved on. Like, yeah, but I, I don't know. Like, yeah. maybe I'm just, I, I just wanted to kill a kid. In the There's game. an achievement that this Fallout won't let you do this. And it's when you can, <laughs> you can kill a kid. There's another one that the villain gives you at the end. He gives you a fake achievement where it says you spent 15 real life hours in an alien strip club. So like playing with the meta ness of it. Don't you go to like an uh, Applebee's or something? You go to an Applebee's, yes, and you can 
order real items from the Applebee's, and you can also choose to dine and dash and leave without paying. Uh, one of the achievements is to pay your bill at the Applebee's. <laughs> <laughs> See, like, there's stuff like that. There's like, some I great meta humor. Yeah, there's some really great, like, meta textual stuff. It's a 15-hour game, Tops, and it runs out of steam by, like, hour six. Mm. And then you're just kind of like, okay, well, we're doing this again, huh? Uh, the voice acting is is fairly consistent. There's a few people that I don't really feel that strongly about, like whoever plays the sister. But again, it's mostly this fucking Justin Roiland stink all over the game. Then I switched over to the spiritual sequel to Castlevania Symphony of the Night called Bloodstained Ritual of the Moon. I've heard that that's that's pretty good. I am enjoying the living shit out of it. I heard the sequel's a little bit more polished, but the first one is... Oh, there's two. Ritual of the Moon is the sequel. Oh, okay. Uh, so, yes, Ritual of the Moon is, is the sequel. It does have a lot of really great stuff. Although, for some reason, he decided that some of the random enemies were going to be photorealistic cats and dogs. <laughs> I don't know. It's very strange. Uh, so, it's a side-scrolling hack-and-slash type of deal. If you played Castlevania Symphony of the Night, you kind of know what to expect. Uh, you get powers as you go through, Metroidvania style. I mean, there's very much, it's of its pedigree, kind of lives up to it. There's a crafting system, which I fucking hate crafting systems. You know this about me. Can't fucking stand them, but it's necessary because you got to get all the best gear and whatever. Special abilities and yada, yada, yada. I mean, a lot of this stuff, if you've played any modern post-PS1 era Castlevania game, you kind of know what you're getting into. Yeah. And that's exactly what Bloodstained is. And then I also picked up River City Girls, a great 2D beat-em-up in the River City Revenge or whatever it was called, River City, the NES game. River City Ransom. Ransom, thank you. River City Ransom. This one is from the girl's perspective. It's more modern, but it's trying to be kind of the 16-bit retro style. There's great music. It's got some anime intros, good combo system. It's really fun to play. I recommend that to anyone. And, of course, I picked up, in advance of Persona 3 Reloaded, I also got the Persona 3 Portable for Steam because they upgraded the graphics. They got mm -hmm. a lot of different voice lines in it. They did some improvements. I cannot wait for Persona 3 Reloaded, but it is going to be February of next year. So, I think since I've moved to my new place, which was over a year ago, have not touched Persona 5. Yeah. Um, now, do you have Persona 5 or do you have Persona 5 Royal? Royale. Okay. Roy yeah, Royal is the definitive version of the game, so I will... Uh, and yeah. and I have that on PS4, and I haven't really... I don't think I've turned on my PS... I have it connected. I haven't not really turned it on since I've moved in. But now I have Game Pass, and I can play on Game Pass. So I'm I was like, going to say, yeah. It's, but it's but that game... Pass. I think my problem with Persona is that like, oh, this... I would have absolutely lost my fucking mind at like 15. It is an investment. It is a time investment. Because, yeah, yeah, I found every time I sat down to play Persona, it wasn't like, oh, I, I can play for a couple hours. Like, no, this is the whole evening. Especially in the early days when it's like the cat character Morgana is going to force you to go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Know, here goes another transition screen. I got to sit through this. Yeah. Once you get into the, the castles and the, the dungeons proper, it starts to open up. But again, there's still, it feels like it's a 10 hour tutorial before you get into the game proper. It, yeah, that's um, that's too much. That's too much training wheels. I watched my ex play some of it. She was 
pretty far. She like knew the game like the back of her fucking hand. Oh yeah, it's been out a while. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that was like her comfort thing. I like watched her play stuff that was like two thirds of the way through. I'm like, oh, this is really fucking fun. Yeah. I don't know if I have the time commitment to get there. It is definitely one of those things. Now, what I will say about Persona Three Portable, uh, any of the versions of Persona Three you're going to see is that Persona Three is a bit more friendly with your time. Mm-hmm. Make your character you log, you know, you start the first day and you're able to save right away. In Persona Five, you've got to wait, <laughs> go through a bunch of story it's stuff it's to even get to save your goddamn game. It's fucking so, pa- painful. <clears throat> yeah, so I will say that the portable Persona Three, if you do it on Switch or if you do it on PC, you're definitely going to be able to kind of jump in, jump out a little bit more easily. But you know what comes out tomorrow? Armored Core Six. Yeah, I got that. Fires sh- of the motherfucking Rubicon. You better believe it. Yeah, you got you got you got, <laughs> I got you, my you, pre order at GameStop, baby. I'm going there tomorrow. Really? It's my day off. I got nothing to do. Let's go. All right. Yeah. <laughs> my girlfriend doesn't know that's what we're doing tomorrow. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get the feeling hey, I get babe. the feeling where she wants to do is go win out. But that like, you know, I'm I'm going we've been together for almost a year. I, I think yeah. I can just you know what? You know, we're we're not gonna do this. Today's a me day, baby. Today's yeah. a me day. We yeah. can do some parallel play. You can work on your cross stitch <laughs> or something and I'm gonna play the big mean robot game. See, that's why you gotta get her a switch so she can put like Animal Crossing on or something like that. <laughs> She's not really in the video games. No? Okay. She's into love Mia and love awesome shit, but I don't know if video games is really like a thing. She likes watching me play video games. I'm hoping uh ah. this fall you know, she's going to have me watch Sopranos with her. Mm-hmm. And I think my cultural exchange will be like, oh, okay, we got to play Night in the Woods together. Oh, Night in the Woods. Great, great, great. Love Finji games. I love them. And narratively, probably one of my favorite games in the world. Have you played it? I have. Oh, okay, I you finally it. got around to it. I, I played it um, a couple years back. Yeah, it's it's great. I just remember I remember like talking to you about like off Broadway once. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And at, I told at you that, that point, I, told I had you, not played it. Yeah, I told yeah. you that I was like, yeah, I had a choice between this as what I was going to play next and um, the Deus Ex game that I gave up with halfway through. Human, uh, Mankind Divided. Oh yeah, you, you were probably in the right on that one. When I did finally get around to uh, playing night in the woods i was like oh wow this is very cathartic i'm really using that word a lot it felt like it's someone that grew up in a part of st louis that's now known for for being depressed and you know white flight you know it's kind of this this sore spot in the area and like well it didn't get there because like the people that live there or the people that moved there sucked it, it's got there because of you know, redlining and corporate interests and disenfranchisement, uh, you know, systematic racism. Like, you know, it wasn't the people who live there's fault. It was kind of everyone else's. That's kind of the crux of some of what's going on in Night in the Woods. But when I started finally playing it was when uh, the one dude killed himself. Oh, yeah. So it was like, yeah. I was like, wow, I'm finally playing this game. I'm having all these feelings. And like uh, Zoe Quinn yeah. accuses uh alex was yeah alec hawalka yeah bad man a bad thing you know and then he beside the the tap out and just like wow okay now this is the whole entire probably last two-thirds of that game just had like this really ghastly he didn't seem uh, like the the other guy oh scott scott 
you know, after his his passing, it said like you know he there was some stuff about what we were trying to say in the game that he didn't understand, and there was definitely some blind spots in his upbringing and maybe some of his privilege, but like the game would not have worked without him, and yeah. you know, it's it's. Oh, there's stuff in that game like you know, cults abducting people who will not be missed. Yeah, that whole bit, like just it, it, and, and sacrificing them to this, this, you know, this ancient god called the Black Goat. You know, I mean, there's there's the the keep the town alive and yeah, and it, it, that says a lot about you know small towns and how we they kind of eat their own and all this stuff, and it, it really put a fine point on it. I think in in a good way. Sometimes yeah. you have to. Um, it just if you grew up somewhere came from somewhere that is now like it feels like it's forgotten and it's better days are behind it Mm -hmm. yeah it really hits hard yeah i mean there's a reason it won a bunch of awards i mean because it's just it's just that good so there's some there's some stuff that could have been tired but i mean like it was such a small crew i was gonna say for such a, a a small budget small crew Doing the game that they were able to make, I I felt like it was a and, damn good achievement. I, an amazing I, soundtrack. Oh God, yeah. Which was uh, one of Alex's bigger contributions, I think, besides yeah. some of the programming he did. Yeah, three albums worth. Yeah, insane. Uh-huh. I have one more thing. Yeah, please. This Sunday, I will not be watching All Sunday, In. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. I will not be watching AEW's All In at Wembley Stadium because I'll be doing the most, the more noble thing, which is watching <laughs> folk punk. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. Because uh, AJJ is going to be at Delmar Hall. Yeah. Um, with um, Open Mike Eagle. Oh, great. Sad Park, which are like an emo punk ish yeah. band from yeah. LA, and they—I <laughs> hate to say it—I I, I just listened to them because they were on the bill, and I'm like, I should probably know, be familiarized with these guys. And yeah. I was like, I bet they're from LA. Like I was like, <laughs> I was like, like this sounds like LA. Nailed it. Got it in one. Like yeah. there's like dudes in battle vests and like really, really black dyed <laughs> hair. Um yeah. and they're like a little stocky and I like looked at a photo of them, like, yeah, I was kinda right. <laughs> uh, I, I hate I hate to say that I could I could I could get their number, but they got some good songs on there. Their new record's pretty tight. But what I was most excited about, I know hey, Sean and Ben yeah. have known them for a long time yeah. and they're great guys and it's cool having seen them evolve from a two piece to what they are today but they're taking fucking foot ox on tour a nice thing about ajj is they they seem to take people on tour that you may never ever get to see again unless like you live in a cooler city than st louis which i mean fucking i think omaha is probably a cooler city if we're really going to be frank (laughs) so uh principle the thing is come on they got they got their homies out of oregon and they're bringing them on so that's fine yeah Uh, but most i think ajj fans know foot ox as the band that AJJ covered uh, Rompilation. Oh, okay. They covered the song Lucky Strike. I've known a couple other Foot Ox songs, but there's like sometimes, like, well, I'm never going to see this person live because it doesn't seem like they tour or like leave the Pacific Northwest. And that's how I sometimes, unfortunately, treat some musicians. It's like, oh, this stuff is cool, but I don't want to get invested because I'm never going to get to see them because if they're going to have a choice between playing St. Louis or Louisville, they're going to fucking play They're going to play Louisville, yeah. You know, you just get that vibe. Like, no one wants to come to the town where if you go to the one cool thing there is to do all of your shit's going to get stolen i felt that same way about new jersey's the front bottoms for a long time and then eventually they they started doing more shows and you just uh, were at one of them so yeah they fucking sold out the goddamn fucking pageant hell but, yeah so you never know is what i'm saying yeah, you never know. yeah yeah there's been a few times i've seen 
AJJ either as a headliner or a supporting band. And it was always something like, well, I'm never going to see this band, who they're playing with. I'm never going to see Mannequin Pussy again, probably. Yeah. I'm yeah. probably never going to see Joyce Maynard again. Or Manor, <laughs> sorry. Maynard, Maynard, Joyce Maynard. Keys. Joyce Maynard, James Keenan, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Mannequin Pussy, though, they just bought their masters back and are launching a new label, uh, Romantic I Records. I saw that. Yeah. That is awesome. They got its masters from Tiny Engines, and they're just they're they're kicking off a new thing. And yeah, I, for one, am uh, excited about it. <laughs> but I saw Mannequin Pussy with AJJ and uh, Joyce Maynard. Uh, Manor. Why do I want to say Maynard? I don't know. The fucking Midwestern bullshit. Jo- Joyce Maynard, four, James Keenan. I would for uh, uh, washed. Yeah, you get your washing done. I got my washing done off Highway Forty. Forty. But yeah, I saw Mannequin Pussy at. The new high tone in Memphis with Mannequin Pussy, AJJ, Joyce Manor. Manor! Joyce Manor! Bagdagavia! Bagdagavia! Didn't we spend like a long time in Yes, apparently that's one of the funniest things we've ever done. Bahavad Gita. Bagdagavia. I only know how to say it because of a Ben Folds song. It's bags. I used to work in a place where I would. Leaves smelling like Nag Champa. <laughs> right. So you think you that, would think you would know. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I used to always make fun of all the here Christians. Cause I'd be like, where, cause it always be like some white guy. And, uh, yeah. I'd be like, where's your black flag tattoo? And one guy, <laughs> one guy got one where he, one, sleeve up. Uh, one here Christian did roll up his sleeve. And he's like, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> and he's like, uh, do you guys have a statue of Rama? Uh, and I'm like, yeah. And he went over to the statue of Rama and prayed from it and I was just like yeah the owner would be really mad that I didn't charge you money for that and he didn't know know whether or not I was joking I, deep down I don't know the answer No, yeah. but I could think of the guy who owned that business being like that was fucking five bucks who let walk out the door oh. uh, yeah uh, the fucking fair trade businesses are a fucking scam anyways uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like the new Foot Ox record yeah Julie and the Sun Mm-hmm. is kind of like a sister record to King Tuff's Small Town Stardust and that they both feel like they belong to like a 90s art house film, mm. an indie film about some kids at like a liberal arts college in kind of a small town like somewhere yeah. in the yeah. in the Pacific Northwest or in New England and, and it's kind of about coming of age and uh, you yeah, know, an art school confidential, a Daniel Close uh, adaptation made into a film. Yeah, I think something better than art school confidential. I think art school confidential was basically like being like, look how far I can shoot my cum. Uh, a ghost world, perhaps. A Daniel Close is what that, I'm saying. Is sure. Is, yeah. I I, I I never sat through Ghost Ghost World. I was, was too busy. Movie. I was too busy watching Cannibal Holocaust and American Ninja Two. That was a good movie. Uh, American sure, Splendor sure followed that, suit. It was I'm a good sure, movie. I'm sure. I'm, uh, you, you could let me borrow a copy. They'll never get back to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, sure can. <laughs> anyways, but I feel like that in like King Tuff's version yeah. of this movie, yeah. the the towny bartender that gives the the male protagonist his comeuppance would be played by like you know the drummer from like Pavement. But okay. in okay. Foot Ox's version of this move movie i feel like that bartender would be p- played by like iggy pop or something it's really interesting they have similar vibes i think the foot ox feels very personal it feels very much the feeling of being young 
and like broke his shit but you know whatever i got a fucking chai tea latte yeah. and <laughs> i'm wearing a really nice i look I'm, i haven't got my metabolism isn't fucked yet so i can wear like you know this really cool jacket that i thrifted and like you know I'll, it feels like a fucking punch in the stomach but it also is kind of written with that useful optimism of like wow i sure don't know everything sucks completely just yet mm. but you know you're, it's like you know reality hasn't hit you just yet like so like a naive uh, joyfulness yeah a little yeah. bit i mean like it's still kind of sad and, sure and but it's um the weight is different than mm. i think like maybe like an ajj song about some similar things and feelings it's it's hopeful in a way that's uh comforting even though it's like kind of sometimes describing things that are tough and mm. weird and i find that really interesting that they could tap into that so directly and so in a way that feels so authentic and it kind of fucks with me because I most certainly remember feeling like that. And now I look back, I'm like, no, that, that really did suck. And that was going to get worse. I just like, I was, I was naive and optimistic you're, you're and thought like, blithely unaware. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, it only sucked. I just, I was just, I just, I could, I had 32 inch, I could go to a thrift store and buy a pair of 32 inch waist <laughs> jeans and look hot. Yeah. And now I, I, I can't even wear a trucker jacket anymore because I look like I'm I look like I can't afford cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, it's that's a fucking weird way to leave it. So we're going to we're, we're going to wrap up the show. We're going to tell you where to find us online. Brian, why don't you go ahead and start us off this week? Let hey, us know. so I've got all these trucker jackets. I need, <laughs> I need to offload them. I need to Man, get them out of here. It's a bad scene over in my place. <laughs> with all these trucker jackets. Help me out. That's like <laughs> I'm like crusty clown with Faberge eggs. <laughs> oh yeah, so if you want to send me death threats and all that fun stuff, you can cyber stalk me <laughs> and all that fun stuff. Uh, I shock you the board, I S H O T G Y D B O R D on Instagram, Twitter. Yeah, fuck that. We're not saying X. Yeah, just Twitter. Um, fucking no. Nah, I, mm. I ain't about that. Mm. It's not cash money to me. And, and uh, blue sky. Which I have made like ten shit posts and yeah, I have a heart. It's like really like oh, if you did not have already a successful Patreon in years of circle jerking with certain people on Twitter, like you just are not going. It really doesn't translate. Tra- yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you didn't have a podcast that broke up because like you were getting like your other like mics like death threats. <laughs> Like you're just I mean, a, we can make that happen if you send your death threats at uh, Jason at, at uh, yeah. forty minutes. But anyways, later. but anyways, uh, Blue Sky, I'm just having a hard time getting yeah getting the vibe there. But uh, it seems fun. It's like going to a bathhouse, and you're just like, <laughs> I mean, I don't feel uncomfortable, but I don't really feel welcome. Yeah, like no one's coming fair. over and being like, "Wow, nice knob." Yeah, no one's no sure. one's coming over and helping me out. No one's sure. showing me the ropes. Sure. I feel no one's no one's sexing me in. That's fair. That's into a fair the, point. Into the digital bathrooms. Uh, Jason, where can they where can they initiate you? They can initiate me uh, at Video Crime. Most places. That's going to be, of course, uh, Twitter, Letterbox. I mean, any, any place that you can find a Video Crime. Chances are that's going to be me. And of course, Blue Sky as well. Even Neopets. Uh, no comment. 
I think is the what my lawyers have said. Uh, but uh, <laughs> we, we don't talk about that. Yeah, we don't. That's mm-mm. you can also give us a shout via the telephone if you're old school like that. That's three one four two four six nine seven six six. That's three one four ahoy poo. That's right. If you like to spell with your telephone, you can also shoot us an email. Jason at four eight minutes of dogs barking dot com. Brian with a Y at four eight minutes of dogs barking dot com. Folks, I'm still looking for that Daniel Pearl video. That's right. Support the show for eight minutes of dogs on Patreon. Well, that about does for the program. We're going to leave you a little bit of music as we always do until the FCC tells us no. It's a band called Table. The song's called Gag Box. And it's a hoot. We hope you enjoy your day. And as we always say at this time, namaste. Bye-bye. <laughs>